Greetings, nerds. This is Cena Nerd. We are back to talk trailers, new shows, film, and the Schmodown. Because I would kick Will's butt at the Schmodown. With me, as always, is the man behind the scene, our Mr. Producer, Will. How are you doing tonight? I am doing well, Sarah. You just, like, hurt me there. You didn't have to go there. I, <laughs> yes, I know you? you would kick my ass in the show Schmodown, but, you know, you just have to tell everyone. Well, I, I like... I'm very proud of that fact, <laughs> even though it has not been actually proven or tested. Well, we just will... the idea of accepting it, like that, that makes me feel really happy. <laughs> I don't know. We, you know, 2018 is still young. We may have to have our own senior nerd showdown at some point. Maybe. I, I think that's actually a really good idea. Or maybe we just, because we cover mainly TV shows, maybe we have one about TV shows. There we go. Yeah. But there's yeah. so many freaking TV shows. There are. So. We, we, will have to, we will have to narrow down the genre. All right, folks, give us some suggestions for our, our showdown so I can get my ass handed to me. <laughs> <laughs> or if you watch the showdown too, tell us, like, Maybe come on the show and you can ask us questions and then we can see who would win in a quasi real life match, even though it would be me. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I've told you this. Well, you would you would beat me at inner geekdom because if Star Trek comes up, I'll be like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Yeah, you'll be like that Jeopardy clip where uh, they had the questions on football and like every single contestant was like, okay. <laughs> it was like the tumbleweeds were like blowing by on that day. Like I, they were completely like lost. Yeah, and you know that happens to competitors on the showdown. Which, FYI, for people who are listening to this and they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. This is a new show that is on Collider TV. Um, Collider, I don't, I don't know, YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And they do these matches. They do a team match on Tuesdays and then a one-on-one on Fridays. And in between, they'll have um, guests, uh, like celebrities, come on for a celebrity showdown. For example, Glow on Netflix, they got a bunch of competitors on, or actors on that show to come down and do a showdown. And it was really cool. Um, you also have people like Sam Witwer on there and um, Sam Levine. And just, frankly, everybody named Sam now that I think about <laughs> it. <laughs> Come on, Sam. But it, it's a really cool thing. And I, I've been watching it for a while. And I got Will to check out a few episodes. Yeah. But, yeah, so what do you think about it, Will? What do you like and what don't you like about it? So it works if you are a geek or nerd and really just love seeing, um, having a trivia show just for you, um, mm-hmm. that's what makes it work. Plus, it, it just has all the trappings. It, it's very ingenious in the sense that it has the trappings of, like, WWE. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you, you know, you could almost, like, if you're, if you're, if you're not careful, you might have thought you may have, like, stumbled into, like, you know, Raw or something. Because they have all the smack talk. They have, um, you know, you know the, the glitz, Faction. the action, the factions, the glitz, the, um, you know, total, yeah, it has all that. So, you know, so it has that definitely going for it. 
um, mm-hmm. for you know for like a, a newbie like me. So it, you know, so it's very if you like professional wrestling, uh, you like you know watching WWE um, on USA or, or wherever you, you you watch it, then you you will definitely get into the showdown. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's because Christian Harloff who is the man behind the scenes. Well, him and Mark, but mainly Christian is a total nerd about WWE wrestling. And actually at one point in time, he wrote for WWE Mm. way back in the day. So he, he is aware about all of the storytelling that goes on and that's what he envisioned for this. Well, him and Mark. Um, And it's, it's interesting. There are some matches that are just, brilliant and there are other matches where i'm like i don't really care (laughs) (laughs) yeah people are just answering questions and i'm not really engaged because that proves to me like this show works when they have the good competitors go at it like when you get a team like team action which i'm on i'm on their whatever you want to call it their team or they they just work for me and and there are some other characters who I don't I don't really buy as much. Like the Patriots are good, mm-hmm. but um, I also I don't I don't know. Just some people work and some people don't. Yeah, it's so I get you. Yeah, I got that because you know the first time I think he told me about it when we were we were doing a pre-show back in the summer, and. Um, and it was so I did I, I checked it out and I think it was maybe like oh gosh maybe team critically acclaimed or only stupid answers but it was a show that I was like at first I was like um I'm not I'm not feeling this but then right. uh, then I watched a, a subsequent one and then I was like oh yeah I'm all in and then and then I think uh, as I was telling you during the free show. The last one I watched, I haven't I haven't watched any of the 2018 um, season yet, but right. uh, the, but the last one I watched was the uh, Star Wars the the five way uh, contest at the uh, end of last year, and uh, it was I, I was just hooked. I was like I was so like getting into it. Uh, you know, there were some questions I was like contestants. I was like really. Really? You didn't know that? <laughs> and I'm not, yeah, and I'm not like the most, I mean, I know I'm a Star Wars, but of course I know there's a lot of the stuff, a lot of things in the extended universe that is not on the, in the primary films. Mm-hmm. But even, you know, even with the passing knowledge, I was, I, I, I was like, I was still getting some of those answers. So, yeah, so I think it's one of those shows that, um, if you are into movies or, and, and trivia pursuit, you you will enjoy enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And you will feel really bad for the competitors when they clearly have no idea any of the answers. Like um, one of the first matches of the season is a three way for the number one spot um, for the title, mm-hmm. and um, one of the competitors really like just tanked and it was sad it was a sad sad showing and i feel bad for the guys at the same time though if i'm answering the questions right i'm kind (laughs) of like really really (laughs) you don't know that but but they they claim that the lights get to them which Mm. i understand to a degree i mean this show has 
it gets like when they drop it by the end of the weekend, it'll have like a hundred thousand views. So, and they live stream these. So, but at the same time, you're, you're kind of just wondering, you're just like, are you really just blanking? But I can see how that sucks because everybody blinks on a test. Oh yeah. Everybody blinks on a test. Hell, we we blink sometimes on this recording here on our podcast. So just imagine Uh, if you get, (laughs) Just imagine if you're like, you know, getting your live streamed out on YouTube to hundreds of thousands of people and yeah, it's a lot of of pressure. It is. It is. But they still should get the answers, right? (laughs) (laughs) You got this far. You should know. Yeah. (laughs) You should. You should know. Oh man, the Star Wars matches are just great. And, and I, and I like those so much because I never get those answers right, but I enjoy listening and hearing what's going on. Yeah. I would say if, if you're, if you are not unsure of, uh, the Schmodown, I think the Star Wars ones is something, is a good introduction to the yeah. Schmodown. Absolutely. Like, go all the way back as, um, Sam Witwer versus Freddie Prince Jr. That's a match you have to watch. Then you do, John Campia, Ken Knapsack versus Freddie Prince Jr., Sam Whitworth. Then you do. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep going through. <laughs> no, just tweet me if you want a full list of the show yeah. now. You check out and the ones to skip because you you have some great rivalries. Like there was a great rivalry between um, top 10 and team action that kind of ended this past season, which sucks because it was really good. But, um, I think they just wanted other competitors to shine at the same time. There's everybody's against the Patriots, whatever. (laughs) And, and like, I, I'm mixed on the Patriots. They know their shit, but I also just don't like those two as people. Like, Mm. Actually, I don't know. I don't know. I think they played up more than they're just dicks. They're like good people. But I'm getting way off track, Will. Like, God. Hey, this is the Again, this is Spodown. It's easy to get. And when you watch it, that's how you. I mean, that's honestly, your your uh, rundown there was just exactly how I felt when I was watching it. After a while, it's like you do get wrapped up in the characters and. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it as as we said before, it does have that that wrestling vibe. So definitely, definitely yeah. check it out. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I I prefer the team matches and the solo matches, but whatever. <laughs> Speaking of solo, let's talk about the solo trailer. Let's talk about that it. Drop. Finally, we have it. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, it took what? Oh, you know, the movie's only coming out in like you know two months, but <sighs> May twenty fifth. Yeah. And we have seen two minutes, maybe, mm-hmm. and Han has said about five, seven words, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> so it may be called Solo, a Star Wars story, but it actually may be Lando. <laughs> and he hasn't even said a word. No, but that's just, <laughs> that's my point. <laughs> Oh man, can you, I like I will, I will love Donald 
Glover even more if if he ends up stealing that movie completely from Han Solo. Um, but at the same time, this movie is just so funny to me because of all the the drama yeah. over the last year around it. And then they finally released the trailer. And I told you, I predicted this. I told you Super Bowl, and that's when it happened. You were right. You're, you know and. And yet, and I like the trailer. I thought it was well edited. I'm I'm glad that it didn't look like it was shoddy at the no. same time. I still don't really know what the story is. I'm not completely sure as to all of the characters that we're being introduced to. And the scene that really rubbed me the wrong way and really made me be like, oh, wait, wait. Are they showing us really like the cream of the crop and hiding all of the flaws in this trailer? It was that last scene, Will. I have mm. to tell you, like that last moment, it just, it goes back to that scene in A Force Awakens where they have the aliens on the ship and you're just like completely taken out of the movie because it was so jarring in comparison to everything else that you were doing. You're just like, what? Why are we going all of a sudden over here? This CGI nightmare. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, you know, saw. Obviously, we saw the teaser trailer during the Super Bowl, and then we saw the full thing drop the next morning. And mm-hmm. so it, we, you know, we've chronicled very well on the show how we've been looking forward to this thing and wondering when it's going to drop and. Same on our, on our Twitter and Facebook pages, but I, I will admit, I was, when I saw the teaser, I, I, I had a moment of like, okay, you know, given all the drama, and I know we're, we're, we're not like normal people, <laughs> where, <laughs> where we follow all this stuff, but, you know, given the, uh, drama that went, that transpired with the film, it, the trailer itself, the teaser, I, I, it, it got me. It grabbed me. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. I, I think Ron Howard stepped in, and it's, you know, he's a very, very capable director, and I think he salvaged this thing. When I saw the full trailer, um, I was hoping for more. Right. And I did not get more. And given the environment that it's going to be coming out in, where you have, <laughs> you're walking into a buzzsaw with Avengers Infinity War and Deadpool 2. You gotta like bring your A game. And given that, I, I, you know, that trailer didn't do it. It was good. It was serviceable. And I think that says it all. It was serviceable. It didn't, you know, yeah. Yeah. All right, fan. You know, fandoms just gonna. You know, they're, they're just betting on. Quite honestly, the fact that if it says Star Wars, people are gonna show up. Which, you know, I I mean, we'll we'll see. Cause I just had a realization. That, so so Deadpool and Solo are being released the same weekend. Yes, they are. Pretty close. Yeah. No, they're they're literally yeah. being yes, released right, they the are. same weekend. They, yeah, they are. 
<laughs> so, so if we overlook that fact, like if we are just now realizing that, do you real do you think like Disney like realizes that as well? <laughs> that, that is a big oversight in my opinion. I mean, I I kind of see what they're doing. They want to counter Deadpool two, which is a rated R action raunchy movie yeah. with solo which is pg-13 at the most mm-hmm. and is action adventure family friendly star wars movie no because deadpool the first one granted it was released in february it killed the box office it's one of the highest grossing r-rated movies ever yep i like seriously guys yeah that's that's a horror that means you don't even have faith in your product or they do have faith in our product, and to your point, you know, counter doing the uh, release to, you know, get that larger family audience and a larger, I mean, you have 40 plus, you know, you have, you know, you have a legacy versus a flash in the pan in some respects with, you had the Star Wars universe, it's a known quantity, I know there was a lot of perceived or real angst over The Last Jedi. Um, but it's still Star Wars. Whereas Deadpool, yeah, it, you know, it, it had a big splash when it, the, when the first one was released. Second one is going to as well. But mm-hmm. I'm, I, but I, I'm thinking Disney is rolling the dice and thinking that, okay, we have, uh, you know, uh, well-established, well-loved universe, and that is enough to be able to, you know, um, take on that pool too. Right. And we'll we'll test it out. And we'll see. Right. Now, and, but it's still, it still is interesting though, because even, that's, you make some good points, but why Disney doesn't have to release Solo in May no. because they're releasing Avengers in May. Yeah. So why wouldn't you just focus on that and then collect some winnings at the end of the summer, like in August, and drop it then? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, just one point, though. I mean, they're, they're being released a week apart. So Solo is May 25th. Okay. And Deadpool is May 18th. So, May 18th. Yeah. And Avengers is what May 2nd. Yeah, it's the very first of May. So <laughs> oh I gotta save up my pennies. It's gonna. <laughs> I gotta clear the schedule. Uh, <laughs> I remember the good old years when you know you would have Captain America drop in April. You yeah. would have Batman v Superman in March. What happened to us spreading this out, guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, really. I mean, and I guess, I mean, and I think that's how we really, we had this moment where we're like, oh, we have these movies. Because, I mean, honestly, they are essentially coming out one on top of the other, whether it's the same weekend or not. I mean, you, it's, I, I don't know. I, I, I think you're right. Um, it, they would have been better spreading this out some, you know, bumping yeah. Solo back into June. I, I mean, we're actually, I feel like, as a, as a, um, 
as viewers right now and as fans, we're more accustomed now these days to getting a Star Wars movie every December. So that's what's really jarring to me is that Mm -hmm. this December, no Star Wars movie after three years of Star Wars movies in December. And it reminds me about the speculation that there was back in 2015 when they announced that they were going to do these um, Star Wars stories or anthology films, potentially they could get a place where they would release two a year. Yeah. So you would have your um, trilogy in December and you would have your Star Wars story in the summer. And then everything happened with the directors and how there seems to be, like, I personally love The Last Jedi. Can't stop reading Raylo fan fiction. It's a problem. It's really a problem right now in my life. But at the same time, I understand that a lot of fans are kind of concerned that Disney went too fast with this. Mm-hmm. And to the point where the trilogy wasn't even being written at the same time. So now there's a lot of gaps mm-hmm. and it feels like they're on a course, but they're not really sure of where, where it's headed. And now we have news that um, the showrunners of Game of Thrones are going to produce their trilogy while at the same time you have Ryan Johnson who is writing his own trilogy. Mm-hmm. What? It's What's... Well, I guess there's no Confederate now, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, it, 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 here's the thing that's concerning me is you're running the risk of oversaturation. Mm-hmm. Because at least, you know, at least with the Marvel Universe, you know, we're not seeing, like, Captain America every single year. Or we're not seeing Iron Man every single year. Um, they mix it up. And they give, you know, so even though we've had 18 Marvel films over the last 10 years, and, I mean, this year alone, we're going to have Black Panther right now. Yeah. Avengers Infinity War. Yep. And then Ant-Man and Wasp. Yes. Only one you can mention, although it's Sony, is Venom. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Technically is Marvel. Yeah. But my, but my point in bringing that up and and is that even though they're in that shared universe, they're all different characters in different films. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with Star Wars, part of what made this franchise so special was it's you know, having the time in between the movies to, to really, like, give fans that opportunity to savor what happened and you know, have that anticipation for what's to come. Right. And now you're just chucking these things out. It, it truly is just like, shut up and take my money kind of deal where, you know, we just know that they're banking on the fact that if it has a Star Wars logo on it, people are going to just shell out the cash and, and, and um, you know, and, and see it. So, you know, are we, you know, the big philosophical question here is, are we getting to that point where we are going to, you know, will, will Star Wars get to the point where they, it, it, it'll become too much? And, you know, you had this question with the comic book universe questions like, you know, will the, you know, will it be, will the bubble burst? Mm-hmm. You know, are we getting to that point with Star Wars where is the bubble going to burst? 
because we have all these projects coming out. Right. I no no I'll say, I don't know the answer, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I I was gonna say that I don't know if it's more about the fear of oversaturation. However, after talking to my dad this weekend, he does have a fear of oversaturation <laughs> because he doesn't buy into this like we do. He he and and I explained that to him like it's totally fine. It's just not your cup of tea. I get it. But other people, this is what they go to the cinemas for. The during our pre-show, we were talking to Black Panther. You're talking about event filmmaking where people will pay first weekend top dollar to go see these movies because they they are watching a universe just expand and become more dynamic and characters are given um, more spotlights and better stories and everything. I will say, though, that the question now is not so much oversaturation as it is. Will people actually simply go see these movies because of the Star Wars logo. Because DC, what mm-hmm. happened with them, it took three flops. I mean, arguably you can say Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad were not flops. However, because it was such crappy filmmaking mm-hmm. and storytelling, viewers, like, people stopped paying money. And that is really why Justice League flopped. Yeah. Justice League could have been amazing. Yeah. Now, at the same time, you have Wonder Woman totally kill it in the box office, but there was something about that character, that that moment and and that story where people felt more confident, and I think that she didn't really sweep away opening weekend like um, Black Panther did, but at the same time, she... She kind of came in, made her point, and people were like, no, 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 guys, seriously, it's a good movie. Go and watch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know your fears, but go and watch it. So you you kind of had that return the weeks to follow. But I, I think if DC proved anything in WB Studios is that there was an age where you would simply go to see a movie because you felt like it was a vent filmmaking Mm -hmm. and that you had to see it so you could have water cooler talk but nowadays it's kind of i don't know it's it's a hit and miss like it's risk yeah fair point fair point what did you so we already talked a little bit about deadpool too but what did you think about that that trailer now that they're finally introducing cable and a few other characters so i i thoroughly enjoyed deadpool one but one of the things that we both uh, just learned this evening is that we both only watched Deadpool one once. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and, Honest to God. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and part of it is because it's one of those films. Honestly, I laughed and enjoyed it so much. I think part of me is afraid to go back and watch it again because I might like be disappointed or something. I don't know. But um, yeah. Uh, if, you know, maybe it was one of those once in um, you know once in a viewing kind of experiences, just, just, just leave it as it is. Um, but, uh, getting to Deadpool 2 with Cable, the new characters and stuff, I'm, a, I'm looking forward to this, actually. Um, it's, you know, it, the, the, the raunchy Merc with the mouth, with the mouth, the humor is there. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, it, you know, it's just a force of, of, um, 
nature as far as like nailing this, you know, this this character. Yeah. Um, Josh Brolin is Cable. Um, that you know, there's some you know we talked about this with uh, Black Lightning how we uh, sometimes actors are are miscast, uh, but he was but I, he was perfectly cast to be Cable. Yeah. Uh, he 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 just owns that. I mean, he would have a scene, but just still shots and the trailer, but he owns that character. And, yeah. and it's going to be the, the trailer, it, you know, all the, you know, hit, hits all the beats that we expected for dead, for a Deadpool film. Um, but, uh, I, I'm really looking forward, forward to it to, to, to see how this just sort of plays out. Uh, especially um, given the backdrop of, of the first film and how, how much of a surprise it was, I think, for everyone, how well it did. Yeah. I, I mean, seeing, seeing as how we just explained when this movie is going to be released yeah. and where, <laughs> it, I, it is very curious what it'll do in the box office in terms of numbers this time around. But I, I like how... I was thinking about it, and part of the reason why I've only seen Deadpool one time is that I felt like it was too simple of a story, and I know a lot of people, like, that's what they really loved about it. I mean, mm-hmm. you're talking about a romance movie at the end of the day. Yeah, The guy wants to get his girl back, and that's what happens. Yeah. Um, but... I like how that was like chapter one for Deadpool. And then chapter two, it's not about the romance anymore. It's about his, his crew and expanding it and introducing these other X-Men characters who we haven't seen before or don't really know about. And, and I like that a lot of people are saying that this will incorporate the X-Force into it. Mm -hmm. And I, I think Fox would make a smart move to kind of use Deadpool, use his current following in a way to help expand that X-Men universe in a logical sense and kind of move away from, you know, X-Men Apocalypse and other crappy movies. Which X-Men is like, it's so interesting to me how that we continue to get X-Men movies and it's still hit and miss, but for some reason, we still go and watch them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, yeah, it's an X-Men it's an movie. X-Men it's movie, like, yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, and then they do Deadpool, and it's like, oh, my God, this is the best. And then they do Logan, and it's like, give them some awards, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, I, I guess my opinion on X-Men is, the only way to do it right is if you give me that Rogue and Gambit movie. I need that movie. Is that ever going to happen? Gambit will never happen because they, for some reason, it's never like Rogue and Gambit. It's just Gambit. Yeah. And Rogue is a huge character. If you're going to do Gambit, I don't know how you don't include Rogue. Exactly, like, yeah. It's bizarre to me. And that is one of the best love stories out there. Just tell it yep. on the big screen. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why sometimes I whisper when I rant. But oh, it's okay. We rant away. It's the day of the show of rants. 
My my favorite moment though in that trailer was when they stop it and <laughs> they're like, "Really, guys, you couldn't not use green screen for a metal arm. <laughs> like, we have some budget." I thought that was genius. That was yeah, and it, yeah, and, and, and I guess see, I. For me, that's part of the reason why I haven't watched the first one over again. It's because I, it was just, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. And I know I will probably, you know, some of the jokes and things I missed the first time around because I was still I was laughing so hard, I will get the second time around. But, you know, it's just, I, you know, I'll probably watch it again just right before, the, before I go see Deadpool 2. No, I, I think that's actually a fair point. Like, the... Comedy is such magic in a bottle filmmaking mm-hmm. that as a viewer, you 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 want to rewatch it. But I think we've all learned that when we rewatch comedies, sometimes that sometimes you start to see the cracks yeah. and the jokes don't hit you the way they do that first time. Yeah. And so there are these movies or these TV shows where it's like. I really like it, but I'm only going to watch it one time because part of the reason why I appreciated so much was because it it hit me the right time, the right moment, and I don't need to return to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think that that you you're, that's a very think that's a very good way of uh, way of uh, of putting it, and uh, you you know that. You're welcome. oh man one more trailer to talk about because they actually made the movie (laughs) (laughs) Sony has done it although we're still not really sure what they did because it's just a teaser but Venom is, is coming in October he is coming and okay so many things to talk about with this trailer even though it was really short, I think it was the shortest trailer that we are talking about today. Mm -hmm. A, very disappointed that the teaser trailer confirms that Riz Ahmed is not playing Uncle Ben. Really wanted that to be true. Well, I think, uh, you know, they are are trying to divorce themselves from Spider-Man as much as possible, it seems like. B. (laughs) (laughs) Even though they, yeah. They've said it, and and they're just confirming it for you, Sarah. (laughs) No, 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 because let me do B. (laughs) B, very disappointed that there is still no confirmation if Tom Holland will appear or not appear in this movie, even though it's set in San Francisco and not New York City. (sighs) C. No, I I really like this trailer. I think you did. Huh. it is. It I I like that it did not show you very much. It mm-hmm. did what it needed to do. You saw the symbiote. You saw Tom Hardy. You saw Michelle Williams. You have this this good narrative. Although nobody can freaking tell me who is actually speaking in that voiceover because everybody's like, oh, that's Terrence Howard, who nobody thought was in this movie, and I I don't think he is. Yeah. I don't know who it is. Um and I just I like how you you start to see him turn, but you don't actually see it because we don't need to see that in the teaser. You just need to be like I feel like Sony did the smart move. They told us, "Guys, we seriously made this movie. Here's our proof." 
<laughs> Later this summer, we will give you the full like showcase of what we actually did. <laughs> yeah, fair fair point, fair point. Um, I I differ. This 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 trailer left me very cold. Um, I, because if you're going to if you're going to make a a Venom movie. Mm-hmm. And and you and I, I've talked. I think I made a direct message to you this, but you know it's it's not like Venom is a character like Lex Luthor or some iconic villain that people outside of the comic book universe knows. You know, okay. it, you know. So I would even dare say that you could do a Green Goblin movie and people would recognize the Goblin from Spider-Man more so than Venom. Unless you, like, watch the 1990s cartoon. So, <laughs> you know, so... As long as it's Harry Osborn. Yeah. And, and not, like, his father because of the past movies. Right, so, right. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so I think coming out of the gate, you know, this was a very targeted trailer to me. Mm-hmm. To... A uh, segment of the population who just okay, we know the Spider-Man mythos, we know who Venom is, and you and I will know that. My wife, who you know, she's somewhat familiar with something, you know, with this stuff, she will be like, eh, okay, maybe interesting artsy movie. Um, you know, the timing of the film is you know interesting that they're, they're putting it around you know Halloween. Yeah, October. so October. So, you know, maybe they're trying to like play up to a sec, you know, to the viewing population. Oh, this is a horror film. Mm-hmm. So that could be the way they're trying to snack people in. Um, and you know, when you mentioned that to me about it potentially being horror, I immediately got super excited, and then it dawned on me. This reminds me so much about Fantastic Four a few years back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> because the, those first trailers are very cold. Like, you don't see a whole lot in those trailers. Mm-hmm. And and then, especially the teaser trailer, and part of the intrigue was that that scene where all of them get their powers and how horrifying that experience is much like what happens at the end of this trailer when you see Tom Hardy just freak out and you start to see the black spread, but you don't see it fully consuming. Yeah. So, yeah. It's interesting. It's It's an interesting take. Yeah, it's interesting marketing. I mean, it may work. You know, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, when we get the full trailer, maybe they will expand on it to, you know, that it'll, it'll be more satisfying for, you know, for nitpickers like me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, and I I think I, I would have totally believed you and supported you in your point about it being targeted like not, not a lot of people know about Venom but I had a conversation with my dad and he totally knew about Venom <laughs> <laughs> yeah but your dad see but your dad's like on, uh, you know he, I don't he, no, he seems to no. be like very like savvy movie watcher no. <laughs> no, he he forgets stuff all of the time. Okay. Like, and I I he 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 knew we watched 
Spider-Man growing up yeah. on TV, mm-hmm. so he might have seen a few episodes, but it still shocked me quite a bit. Well, you give him a little bit too much credit. <laughs> He's not. <laughs> he would he would not win the inner geek geekdom schmodown by no means. <laughs> he wouldn't even win a schmodown. Let's be real. Well, uh, homework for us both. You know, we have we have, we should go around to ask our coworkers like, okay, have you have you heard of Venom? And then, <laughs> and then we, we should report back. It's like, oh, you know, see if people, see how many people actually recognize them beyond the obvious poisonous qualities from from Snake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It's it's just fun. I mean, we just talked about three trailers that we've known about for a while. We're finally seeing some footage. They're gonna be released this summer or this year, I should say. And it's it's a good time because in the fear of oversaturation, these are all very different movies yeah, yeah. and very different possibilities to come out of them. So yeah. I it, it is a good time to be going to the cinema right now. It is. And, I, yeah, and to your point about oversaturation, because, and your very excellent point that these are different films, I think that's going to guard against the proverbial bubble first scene. Because mm-hmm. what we're getting now, and uh, yeah, we'll talk about Black Panther next week, is we're getting completely different types of uh, stories, and, and they're not following the, the standard formula. Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's jump over to TV. All right. Switch the channels. Well, I realized when I was putting down the rundown, like, I don't watch that many shows that are not on the CW these days. <laughs> like, I I don't know what happened with pilot season this year. <laughs> I feel like, like not a lot of things are dropping these days, and there's not a lot of new shows out there, it feels almost like. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it, it, it is that way. Um there, I guess there have been new shows, and you're right. I mean, I, I feel the same way as, as you. It's like it's CW, maybe a couple, but in, in the shows I do watch on other networks, it's there are established shows like um, Blackish or you know, and, and other things. Um, and then there's the streaming services. I mean, yeah, uh, which you had a binge on a streaming service recently. Yeah, uh, this just yeah, uh, com- completely like caught me off guard, and I was like, I got so I was as I was really caught off guard this um, weekend. So after watching Black Panther, I was so hyped. I, I came home and uh, flipped on Netflix and saw a few things out there about this show called Everything Sucks. And actually, it was a Screen Rant article about it, and then um, I was like, well, this seems pretty interesting. Let me let me check it out. So, it is, it's the basic, just to set it up, it's uh, set in the 1990s. Uh, kind of ambiguous which part of the decade, because throughout this movie, this TV show, it, there's just so many references for, for nostalgia, for nostalgia's sake. Uh, it's the kitchen sink of stuff, but it's set in, in a town called Boring, Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> and, Boring, Oregon. Yeah, which is pretty funny in and of itself. 
Um, but it's you know it's it's chronicling these high school students and the usual um, ish, you know things that we all go through through our teenage years. And um, full characters is the, is the principal of the high school, principal's daughters in the high school. She is uh, don't want to spoil too much, but she you know like any teenager, uh, they're going through their uh, trying to find themselves and their identity. Um, there is um, another character who he's a young African American boy who is uh, and his other two friends. They kind of remind you of the kids to Stranger Things as far as the kind of interplay between them uh, and the geek the nerdiness of them. Yeah. And they're all freshmen. Um, and then you have the drama club and you have all the various you know structures from from high school. And so when I was watching it, I, you know, it, I truly, I was like, the first, like, five minutes, I was kind of like, hmm, I started doing other things. And the next thing I know, I had, like, watched five episodes. <laughs> and I watched three, I watched three more today. I'm almost done with the series. And, uh, yeah, it, 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 in some weird way, it works. Even though, you, you uh, you know, even though it's set in the 90s, and what's another show we talked about recently where we had it set in the past, but it's, you, know, you wonder, you know, it could easily, it, it could easily be present day, but, um, I feel like we've made that, like, said that a lot about a lot of shows. Yeah. Handmaid's Tale yeah. comes to mind when I think about that reference. Yeah. It could easily be present day. There's nothing special why they had to put it in the 1990s. And like I said, it, on the one hand, it's kind of like, uh-huh, yeah, I kind of laugh because it reminds me of just being in high school and going to college during those years. And it's, and as I said earlier, it's very ambiguous as far as like, is it in the mid nineties? Cause I, I, you know, I start uh, as I'm watching it, it's, it is distracting in the sense, like I hear a lot from Pulp Fiction. Now I'm trying to remember like since Pulp Fiction came out and, and you know, a few good men, it came I out know. and yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, okay. yeah. I have to break your heart now. Yeah. Because I watched the first five minutes, and I'm pretty sure that they said in the first five minutes, it's set in 1993. But see, here's the thing. There were some <laughs> other songs and stuff that were, like, later 90s. Well, then that is just poor show production. Yeah, I could have sworn there were some things that were, like, 1996. So I'm like, wait a minute. So, Yeah. And like I said, I mean, the first few minutes... You should call them out on that. Yeah. And that's, the, and that's the point about, you know, that that's the distracting part of the show. Otherwise, I think it's very entertaining. I mean, I do, I have enjoyed it. I, I will, I will, I will freely admit, but that's the one thing that does, you know... It's, yeah, it's I, I watched the first five minutes, and I was kind of like, oh, I don't, I don't really want to see the Stranger Things kids not being Stranger Things. Yes. Yeah. So I, I don't really care. And I, I guess I appreciate what you're saying about nostalgia um, because I didn't go to high school in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not – I was more thinking about, like, how old was I during this time? <laughs> like, what was I doing? Um, but I can see how I feel like the 90s within the next few years are going to become – what the eighties have been for the last like yeah. five or seven years yeah. where you're getting a lot of eighties nostalgia come mm -hmm. up. And I think you're going to see a lot of nineties nostalgia 
we I, we talk about it with in terms of Mr. Robot about yeah. how that show, even though it's set in present day, it feels very 90s grunge. Yeah. I hate society. I'm so alone. And it has that vibe to it. So I I think that's just a natural progression to then take a a show and modern. And also, maybe that's why they said it in the 90s. They didn't want to get so many Stranger Things comparisons, so yeah. they couldn't <laughs> obviously do the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's the here's the Stranger. Here's what we would would have done with Stranger Things if it were in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, with all of that Stranger Things going on. Yeah. You know. Yeah, pretty much. So. So after I I decided not to watch Everything Sucks, I got really caught up this weekend in watching um, the first season of Queen Sugar. Yeah, yeah, I saw it in timeline. You like I mentioned that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they do exposition the right way. Mm. That's the bottom line. This show is about three siblings in the South, a lot of social issues going on, very different stories. Like the way they incorporate each sibling's narrative in the structure of an episode is brilliant and i love how in the first episode you're introduced to these characters and you really and you have a feeling they're all related you're not sure of the exact relationships and the father dies and then that brings them together and this is the first um, exposition line that i really appreciated they get a delivery and one of the siblings sees it and reads the card on the flowers and it's like looks at her sister and says your mom sent these her condolences hmm. hinting at the fact that they have different moms not going out and saying it just putting in something that happens naturally do the course of like a bigger event hmm. and adding context to these relationships. And they did a few other things like that where I'm like, yeah, this show knows how to do exposition. Hmm. Really interesting. Huh. Second season I didn't like as much, but the first season was really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing about, yeah, about television. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, for whatever yeah. reason, yeah, you know, second season I don't know could be change of showrunners or writers' rooms or whatever turnover. Yeah, things things happen. Another show that um, caught me off guard this season, um, and I'm not. It doesn't really. It, I don't count it as part as pilot season because this one I, I actually debuted just this past January, mm-hmm. and it's The Resident on Fox. Mm-hmm. I really like the show, Will. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm not just saying that because Jackie Dallas appears on the show. Shout out to her. She's awesome. Um, but I, I going into this, I was looking forward to it. it. It managed to pull off what I wanted it and needed it to do in the sense that this is a medical drama where they save the day, but there are stakes mm-hmm. involved with the decisions as to why they save the patient. Mm-hmm. Like there are consequences that they have to deal with. And right now there is a brewing cloud that is just waiting to wreak havoc. Um, since that older surgeon has still not come forward with his tremors. Yeah. 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 I, I've, I've enjoyed the show. I, as well, you're totally spot on with the stakes. 
Uh, we I like shows that have there's consequences to actions and some of the ethical issues that comes up. You know, obviously the interplay with you know these are all residents, so of course they're just trying to like make up you know um, you know make their way in in, in this hospital. The, 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 some of the real life issues that come up. I mean, like I was uh, rewatching an episode today and. Uh, some of the billing, you know, things like, you know, they had the big staff meeting and they had to go and yeah. they were talking about billing and, and, you know, and they come over as cutesy, like, cute. I was just like, cute. Yeah. I was just, I was like, oh, this is so cringeworthy. But then we have in the backdrop of like, you know, all the things that we're, you know, with, you know not to get political, but with Obamacare and healthcare mm-hmm. reform and all those kind of things. And you got this medical show and, and you know it just tackles all these issues, and I, I, I yeah, I mean it's uh, Fox definitely has a winner here. Yeah, I I don't know how long it can go on though, yeah. reasonably. Um, it, it's it's an interesting because it is episodic, yet at the same time they are pulling forward larger threads. Mm-hmm. Like you have the nurse Emily Van Camp's character investigating the um. I don't know her name, but another doctor on the show who may be doing some um, making some bad choices about some experimental chemotherapy treatments. Mm-hmm. Don't know what's really going on there. And then you have the the doctor with the tremors, obviously. Yeah, which I love. But, I love Bruce Greenwood. I mean, anything he's in, he's just always uh, just really appreciate his work. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it it's good, and it just further proves that Emily Van Camp. Should be on the smaller screen. Yeah, it's not really made for the the movies. I, I, I was wondering where you were gonna where you were gonna drop that. <laughs> I, just, I think she, I, and it may, and maybe it's not her. It's just how they wrote that Agent Thirteen in Marvel, yeah. where they kind of gypped her in the long run. Yeah. Um, because she does handle drama very well, and she's been on a lot of soap operas, mm-hmm. so. You would think that it would be a good fit, but it just didn't work. Yeah. And and plus, Captain America has more chemistry with with um. Peggy. Black Widow. Black Widow, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Peggy too, yeah. but I didn't like the first Avenger. Like that's another movie I haven't really seen too often. Mm. So I I know a lot of people love their chemistry, but I was never really on that that plane. That boat, that ship. <laughs> no. American. Okay, so we were both really excited for two shows. Yeah. And American Crime Story, Versace, and Waco. Mm-hmm. I've seen episodes of both shows. Yeah. American Crime Story. I think I stopped watching after the second, or maybe even the first episode. I can't do it. Yeah. It is. It is not, it is not OJ. It's, it is just not OJ. It's not. And I, and I, I'm the same way with American Crime Story. And another one we, we, we both had agreed to add to our um, 2018 list was uh, Waco. Yeah. And, and it left me, it, it's, here's the thing. It, it left me cold too. I, I I watched maybe two, two and a half episodes of American Crime Story, uh, probably one and a half Waco, then parachuted in to, to see a, 
a little bit of Waco uh, probably last week or so. And I think for me, here's why OJ worked and why these two do not. Mm-hmm. Um, OJ was the intersection of so many things. You had, and why does, and why American Crime Story OJ worked is you had the intersection of celebrity, intersection of race, economics, and and it was just damn good storytelling the way they like unfolded this well known story and just you know with the amazing cast and how it just just all just really they really captured the moment whereas you know yes the Andrew Cannon story and even Waco to me those stories are interesting but they weren't like culturally they they, 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 they seem better fit for like an A and E like true crime TV show versus a C you know, a season long anthology series of about those events. Mm-hmm. Because they were just yes, they were very big events that happened. Um, you know, they were on like, you know, America's Most Wanted and as far as Bannon. And, and Waco, of course, the Branch Davidian, all that kind of played out. But, I mean, those are kind of like bottled episodes in American history that were notorious, but they didn't have all those other larger societal intersections that OJ has. Yeah. I, and, and they tried to do it, and, and are, they, they are trying to bring about shedding light on the what was happening back then in Miami mm-hmm. with um, the with civil rights for gay people yeah. and and like they maybe I'm I'm not, I guess they tried to explore Miami at that time mm-hmm. and homosexual sexuality and everything that was happening at the same time and that's what intrigued me about this show yeah. like it's it's not just about this one story but it's about the the social context mm-hmm. but what you were bringing up before is that with OJ you had all of these other issues yeah. and more importantly they had more than just one crazy character to explore them through yeah. like you had a whole episode about the freaking jury yes. for god's sake yep. <laughs> like the yeah. jury had an episode, yeah. and in this one, you're you're just telling a story from the perspective of the killer, from the perspective of the victim, and then the victim's family members, and you're just like, well, yeah. I, it's it's not it's it's too. It, it also felt very artificial. I mean, I think one of our first conversations about Versace was that I found it really interesting at the end of the first episode, they have that warning that the, this is not necessarily real. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a lot of projection happening into these conversations and these characters yeah. that they created. That's true. That's true. And yeah, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, so true at on that point and also like i said i mean that you know these were these stories to me about these particular events are are you know 
were, are better suited for like you know the uh, a you know cr- true crime story on A and E or you know Detective Network or whatever, not well, not you know long you know drawn out things. And I beat that dead horse, but I mean I, I, I think that's that's the case with these two crimes. Yeah, Waco is is my issue with Waco is that you they sold the show that it was gonna be. Taylor Kitsch's character and Michael Shannon's character one-on-one. Like, those two are at the core of this. And I watched the first episode, and I'm like, okay, they're setting up both characters. You're seeing both sides of the coin. You're seeing perspectives. I like it. Second episode. Still, setting up both characters. (laughs) Time, and I'm just like, no, no, because what I really need to see is those two characters interact. Yeah. And you cannot wait a full six or eight episodes to sh- finally give us, like, one scene, maybe, of those two. Because I can, like, I can already tell that that's going to be a very interesting exchange if it's done correct. I don't want to wait for that, no, though. No, no. I mean, I will say, I will say with Waco, the whole, the, the uh, Randy Weaver story actually was more compelling to me when a, when Michael Shannon's character was dealing with that hot system, that negotiation, than the mm-hmm. rest of Waco. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, see, and I had to dance the whole story about this. <laughs> you know, maybe yeah. I, maybe, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm all in, but, um, yeah. It just, yeah, because the, that isn't about polygamy, yeah. which apparently Waco's all about. Yeah. Yeah, I, it just, yeah, it just, I, I haven't gone back to it, I, I, you know, it's, I, you know, I only have so much time as far as, you know, ability to watch TV shows, and this one was kind of like, okay, I'm putting it to the side. Yeah, it, I mean, we talk about it all the time, like, everybody has their rotation with TV shows, yeah. and you go through your rotation, and when new shows come out, you give them a test trial, and they may end up in the rotation, or they just might be forgotten about. Yeah. I both Waco and American Crime Story, they're forgettable, yeah. in my opinion, they and they're not really making a loud stamp. And I feel like maybe that's what's happening to a lot of shows this season, where they're trying to capture what happened last television se- season with a lot of those big hits. Mm-hmm. And yet, I feel like as viewers, we're just waiting for season two yep. of all of those shows. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> Just like yeah, yep, yep. I mean, I'm waiting. I'm looking forward to a lot of season twos. I have to say, <laughs> there, I will, we got it. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. I, I will say, as far as shows that are that are that are true crime or, or whatever that that are coming out, uh, one that does strike me is one that might break through the the rut that the true crime genre has hit right now. Is uh, Biggie and Tupac that's coming out uh, on USA, I believe, in either mm. March or April, and it chronicles, that's yeah, and it just sort of chronicles the, the whole, you know, issues between you know, Tupac's and, and Biggie, and you know, Tupac's death and Biggie's death, and you know, that's one of those like true. It's one of those things that uh, you know, unsolved mystery kind of crimes that, you know, there's a lot of just theory and, you know, hits hip-hop, but, you know, it, it does have that intersection, that larger, you know, hip-hop culture and, and, and larger things that, you know, may 
carry it further than, than these other two stories. Yeah, I, I watched, um, I forget what it was called, but last year HBO did a documentary series with Dr. Dre, mm-hmm. and I watched that, and I really, they, that was a really good short miniseries event um, that you should probably watch before you watch this one okay. because a lot of the things that they talk about in terms of the hip-hop and rap history west coast east coast mm-hmm. all of that is is a background yeah. because dr dre was a part of it yep. and um it, it was really fascinating to me so hopefully this one does it right because we've we've seen in the movies that they they keep trying to tell those stories not very good you know yeah. hit and miss yep. <laughs> <laughs> but and and maybe that's the point like both characters both people um, separately, very, very well known, have, um, their own story. But the, the interesting thing about them is when you put them together and when you make it overlapped and intertwined and really that, that's where that dynamic part of it comes into play. So maybe this will be the right mix. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, geez. I also just feel like I'm waiting for a lot of shows to come back. Yeah. I have I have seen now probably three or four trailers for Billions Season 3, and it's not even coming out until March, and I need it now. <laughs> Billions is turning into one of my favorite shows, and I just really need to watch Season 3 um, because I got a lot of questions, and I need some freaking answers. Yeah, I, I remember you telling me about Billions, and I probably would have been better served like using some downtime, catching up on it, than wasting it with the American Crime Story. So I think <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to rectify that, and then <laughs> it's it's a hard show. Like it's it's interesting to me because half of the show I don't understand because I don't understand the marketplace, <laughs> but there's. There's something really, I really special about season two where I'm like, yeah, this is why I stick with this show. I really like what they did in season two. Um, I'm also looking forward to Unreal season three, which comes out later this month. They're gonna have a girl. Um, they're gonna have a girl bachelorette. Like this is the beauty about this show. Well, season one, straightforward. It's pretty much The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. Season two, though. Oh my God! They need more ratings. So what do they do? They bring on a black guy to be the bachelor, <laughs> and that's scandalous. But then it makes sense. Like it's like okay, yeah, that's that's kind of how TV works mm-hmm. in a weird way. Yep. Like out with, the, and then this season is their first time having a female bachelorette on the show, and and I and I like how that allows the the elements of the show to stay the same while change uh, changing the narrative because the the way that the producers react and try to manage all of the contestants on the show change with well who's the prize at the end of the day why are they here why is their story relevant like what what can they expose so unreal is is a pretty good show that is also worth Spending your downtime on, I have to say. Okay. Yeah. See, for me, yeah, I, I think I've told you those. You know, the Bachelor and that whole 
the whole like reality, quote unquote reality TV just never has appealed to me. So I, yeah, I, I, I may have to beg off on that one. Even though I know it sounds like it sounds super awesome, just how they like, you know, go behind the scenes and like, you know, all the, the ins and outs and the things you told me about it. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's more about, um, it's a really good piece on feminism. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. It's a really good piece about feminism. Um, <laughs> I think one of the first scenes in the first episode of the first season is um, you go into a limo, but you're like over the limo and you know how there's, um, there's that window. Mm-hmm. So you go in and you zoom in on Sherry Appleby, who's lying on the ground and She's wearing a T-shirt that says this is what a feminist looks like. And all around her are a bunch of dolled up women um, talking about Prince Charming that they're about to meet. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Real feminist. Yeah. yeah. Very, yeah. <laughs> like, I see the irony. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> no hashtag feminism there, right? <laughs> Yeah, and then the last show that doesn't come until April is The 100 Season 5. Season 5. Season 5, yeah. It is, I I fell off this show, but I am so looking forward to the fifth season because they're doing a restart, um, and they're, they, they ended Season 4 by pretty much everybody but Clark going back up into space um, due to another hazardous, um, more hazardous conditions on Earth. Um, and then this is five years later. Gotcha. And now they have to come back down. And um, I just I just need Bellamy and Clark to get together, okay? I'm a big shipper. We all know this. I just need those two characters <laughs> to get together. And then my world can be complete, and I can they can stop writing the show. But until that happens, yeah. well, they cannot stop writing it. Okay. Or to, or you could just or you could just go find your your fan fiction to like you know. No. That's fine. No. Okay. You want you want the you want the screen. All right. Gotcha. They actually, you know what? I'm I there. You have to do a lot for me to read fan fiction. Okay. I I don't read fan fiction for all of my favorite ships. Like I'm not, I I read literally it's either Raylo or Elicity. That's it. <laughs> okay. Legitimately, will like I've I've tried yeah. and it's not it that, it's not that is appealing. Yeah, hey, fair point, fair point. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, you know, uh, you know, maybe you just don't like the way some fan fiction where they where they take some of the take some of the relationships. Uh, well, we're we're we've already talked about potentially having a fan fiction episode one day, yeah. so we'll get into that. Yeah. I have my reasons why, but. What what shows are you looking forward to returning? Yeah, so one show that uh, actually just dropped on Amazon Prime this past weekend, uh, Mozart in the Jungle, is one that I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to uh, seeing in season four. And uh, yeah, and uh, it basically follows the uh, Rodrigo, who is the uh, conductor for the uh, New York Symphony, and and also and 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 also. Uh, Oboe player, uh, her name is Pile, as he, as Rodrigo says. But uh, she's actually from, she's been with the orchestra for many years. Uh, well, for far for the first three seasons, she was new 
to this New York City, trying to break into this symphony. And uh, it's basically chronicling her journey and his journey has taken over for taken over the symphony from uh, the old maestro who was played by Malcolm McDowell, and uh, and then Rodrigo who's uh, played by a uh, a Gael Bernal. Um, he's a very eccentric character. This look it's a very like quirky show, but it's a very mm-hmm. fun show. It's and. Uh, yeah, I'm just looking for, like I said, season four just dropped. It's like 10 episodes this season, and been looking forward to it because I think it's been about a year since the last time they've had uh, fresh episodes. Yeah, I always, anytime you bring up this show, I always feel like a horrible friend because I never watch it, and you always tell me to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's no. okay. Okay, <laughs> definitely recommend it. As uh, as if you're looking for a good sh- of a, sh- a show to pick up, um, it, it's a it's a very fun show, uh, very strong cast. It has uh, Malcolm McDowell, Bernadette Pre Peters, as uh, Saffron Burroughs. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, it's 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 a lot of fun. You should definitely check it out. Yeah, yeah, and there there are there are so much. It, it reminds me. I, I feel like Amazon just has found that niche in their streaming service with their original shows because when you describe it as fun and kind of whimsical, it reminds me so much of what I like about The Marvelous Mrs. Maisie, mm-hmm. Maisel, um, which is a great show, eight episodes. Yeah. My, my parents fell in love with this show more so than I did, but um, what I didn't realize – there's a character on it who's um, who I really liked, and he, he has this really small part, but he's actually a comic legend. Um, God forbid me, I don't remember his name, but he kind of interweaves, and my dad was telling me, like, the beauty of this show is that it shows you how, because of when this takes place, like, they they're literally following a female stand-up comic, mm-hmm. And how hard it was for her due to what was going on back then in the 1950s and 1960s. Like, this is interesting. Yeah, you, you've recommended this one to me, and it's definitely on my list of a show to check out. Yeah. Yeah, Marvel's Mrs. Maisel. Very, very charming, delightful show. And again, guys, we've got a lot of good season twos coming our way. So we got... 13 Reasons Why Season 2. <laughs> <laughs> we got, um, I'm thinking I'm seeing Reese's Witherspoon's face and I can't remember the show. Um, Big Little Lies Season 2. Um, then there is um, American Vandal Season 2. Yes. Uh, I, that show, that was like one of, the, one of the better recommendations you've given me. I... Maybe that's why Waco and American Versace did not appeal to us. Because after you watch American Vandal, you're like, yeah, this is kind of like (laughs) true crime. (laughs) It is, it is just a gem. And, and yeah, I, I just want to know, like, I, because I don't really get what they're going to do in season two. Like, are we going to still be in that high school and it's going to just be a different scandal or because part of the reason why that show worked is those characters, mm-hmm. those kids were awesome. They were. They, they really were. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, it was just delightful. And, and like all of those shows that I just listed going in, none of them probably should have even had a season two. And that's why I think I'm looking forward to them all. <laughs> like, well, what are you going to do, gonna do now? now? Yeah. <laughs> How can you top that? <laughs> Big little lies and 13 reason lies. There's literally not a book too. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, so funny. Anything else? Well, I think that's it for us tonight. Yeah, yeah, I think we covered a lot of ground. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, it was, uh, May's going to be a very, as we talked about before, a very heavy month. <laughs> <laughs> Save your pennies, folks, because, uh, um, yeah, you're going to have like three or four weekends in a row of uh, hitting the Cineplex. Yep. Yeah, it's we may just have like save all of our reviews about those movies like May Spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I mean, yeah, we got we got a lot of good stuff to look forward to, Definitely. and maybe we'll get a few surprises out there. It's awesome. Uh, next week we're definitely going to cover Black Panther, so be prepared for that. Um, go see that movie. I know I will. Will already has. He's got to go see it again yep. because he's like that. I'm totally like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if Patricia Miller has seen a movie that I haven't, I have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Patricia. We love you. Uh, will, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me on Twitter at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook, but most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on both iTunes and SoundCloud. And you can also find us on the CastBox Android app. Good night, geek out. You're welcome.